it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Vanya Arslanian. How are you doing this morning? We don't normally record, I feel like, at this time. Well, I guess it's afternoon. Or it's almost afternoon. But still, it is early for us. I'm good. You know, I've had a house guest and we also had um, my sweet baby boy home for the last 10 days um, because Uh there was a breakout in his classroom. Oh, no. We've had him tested hundreds of times. I'm just kidding. Three. But still, he's fine. No well, symptoms, good. Yeah, but better is, safe than sorry. But yeah. I'm sure that's a lot. I know. Yeah. Last time we recorded, you know, we were writing poems about oh, our feelings yeah. about about you know just the overwhelmingness of mm-hmm. of small young children. So I bet it was actually nice to have Mike there to just be yes. like, "You play with my kid." Exactly. No, it's true. <laughs> and update on my son's assholicness is he's getting better. I think being alone was definitely the kind of like tipping point for me and now my husband can share in the pain and that makes me feel better so absolutely (laughs) fair fair you're like I I just don't want to have to to bear the brunt of this alone um and because my uh very good friend Mike Jensen who I do the other my other podcast with Mike and Vanya can't not which by the way we are premiering season two this coming next week, I think. Um, but awesome. he, so oh, he's I can't wait. been here with me, which is so exciting. So he and I watched the movie that I'm going to be talking about today. <gasps> which is, oh my God. You guys. One of my favorites I, of I, all time. It really is. Like on second rewatch or, you know, whatever, bajillion three we watch. We watch. Um, we watch. The movie is The Cutting Edge. And this is in yes. honor of the Olympics... The Winter Olympics, which, by the way, I watched the closing ceremony last night, and I've been watching the Olympics. It's been so much fun. Oh, my gosh. I mean, and, and also and weird. scandal, and like, always. You know, it's so interesting, especially, I feel like, in figure skating, which we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. It seems to be between, like, you know, the very famous, like, whoa, like, Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan, and then yeah. this year with, like, the doping scandal. Oh, man, what heartbreak. Wow. I Wow. I mean, it's just... 
that's why people tune in, though, you know? It's true. And it's I will exciting. say, Tara, Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir are, and then the other guy, <laughs> just random, some other random, like, sports Some other guy. dude. Um, yeah. I feel bad. Sorry, other guy. But, yeah, they're, like, listening to their commentary during the skate of the Russian skater who tested positive. Yeah. No, how they, like, didn't comment. Yeah. They basically, like, just were kind of like I don't really even understand why this is happening or or we're watching this right yeah. now I felt in the moment a little bit like okay Tara calm the hell down but then again after watching and listening to different commentary I was like you know what that's bullshit the Olympics they mm -hmm. should have not been able to be in the Olympics at all I don't think and this is maybe somebody's gonna get mad at me but I don't think there should be a Russian committee or whatever it is the committee well that's why they I mean the the yeah the Russian Olympic committee is what it is because the country of Russia was no longer allowed to like be part of the Olympics because of of doping scandals yeah. and various other things, but because it became clear that they were unwilling not to yeah. continue to like cheat and bend the rules. Mm -hmm. And so now you're like, okay, well, this isn't working either. It's not. I just feel like if you test positive for drugs, you're out. Yeah, exactly. And and to be fair, it's not like a. It wasn't like steroids, steroids or something. No, it was it's like a, a, but it's a banned drug. It's exactly. on the list. Yeah. It's nope. a heart medication, right? That it basically helps blood flow. So mm -hmm. if you're like in peak shape, like you would be as a 15, 16 year old, yeah. like super athlete, it just it enhances your endurance. like the oxygen in mm -hmm. your blood and your endurance. So um, it's technically cheating. I just felt like why put her through like don't make her perform. Oh, yeah. If she's going to basically be, you know, like chastised. And if she were to meddle, then nobody was going to get to meddle mm -hmm. because they were going to have to do a whole thing. It's like, then what is she doing? Like, then, just spare her all of this. Yes. And then the last thing I'll say, because I didn't quite get that when I was watching, but um, Tara and Johnny were talking about how, you know, she, because there was a, the question last night on the program I was watching was, should 15-year-olds be allowed? Is it too young? But Tara Lipinski herself won the yeah. gold when she was 15 in 1998 or something like that. And... But what she said was, I had a really good team around me, a supportive team. I, they, you know, treated me like, uh, you know, Olympian, but also like a child. I'm a, you know, right. so she, she was taken care of. And he, she said to watch these girls, you know, not even get a hug after this and just like crying with their bear. Jesus Christ, people like this is, it felt child abusey to me. And I think. Yeah, for sure. You know, especially after she didn't skate well, yeah. you know, because of course she skated brilliantly in her, her, I think her short program, but then maybe her long program. I don't remember which one it was where everything kind of fell apart and how, yeah, like everyone on her team basically like turned their backs on her it because she didn't perform disgusting. well. And it's cruel. It's like, I don't know. When you think about the Olympics, I always, you know, it's kind of like this magical Yes. thing where all the world kind of comes together and there's been so many amazing moments throughout history where like other countries have stepped up to like support and encourage and in other cases like literally help yes. people from other countries and they and there are these beautiful moments that you're just like this is what it's about exactly. and then when you see something like that you're just like oy vey oy vey is right but so and 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 also so i watched a lot of that with mike mike because he loves mm -hmm. the olympics as well and he also loves the cutting edge. So I'm really, I hope that I do it justice because I will say we did have some martinis the night we watched. So I'm going to do it's my okay, best though. here. I can help you because this is a movie I've actually seen like a literal good. bajillion times. There's yeah. so many good things. I, I made notes while I was watching, but um, uh, first of all, I decided, so in this, today I'm going to give some little tidbits of review first, and then we are going to listen to the um, 
the trailer, but this time I'm actually going to make the trailer sound better. Guys, apologies <laughs> for last weekend I, or last week. I couldn't figure out what went wrong, but hey. Um, okay, so I'm going to start with ro- what Robert Ebert said. The cutting edge is a marriage of two durable Hollywood genres. It's an underdog in training sports film crossed with the most beloved of all romantic formulas, the in, uh, incompatibles in love. And I will just say, I love both of those genres. I mean, mm-hmm. I love an underdog story. I love one of those sports movies. And you just like, your heart bursts at the end because they're yes. doing it. They're really doing it. They, they did it. They did the Pam Chang. I know. <laughs> okay. So, and then I have two just like randos from online because I like them. Holly Huff said, the taming of the shoe on ice. Through the power of love, Maura Kelly leaves Elizabeth Taylor in the dust as the quintessential shrew. It's a totally addicting movie. Enjoy it again and again. I like that. I love thought it. that was cute. That's so, that's a good one. Then we have Dean R. Johansson, which I, you know, it's good to throw in a dude here and there. I mean, Roger. Rob, Roger. Oh, by the way, last week I also called him Robert Ebert. <laughs> Um, I had had a Chardonnay, remember? I am very sober right now, so all of my uh, foibles with my words is just me being an idiot. Okay, so Dean R. Johansson said, No surprises as to the plot. The chemistry and dialogue is great and thoroughly enjoy and a thoroughly enjoyable movie. Vanilla ice cream sounds bland until you enjoy a premium taste because <laughs> it is because a lot of the a lot of the reviews were like this is like i mean they've taken every single trope in blah blah right. boo, you know so um, but who cares because that's why it's good it gives you everything that you love from uh an underdog sports movie and from a rom-com yeah 100 percent agree and the chemistry between the two actors is off the charts and it's just so fun. Plus figure skating. <laughs> and you know, Avrin, I married a hockey player. <laughs> yeah, you did. I mean, this That's maybe right. this movie made me want, and Adam's not the first hockey player I dated. <laughs> nice. I married a hockey fan. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay, so Big let's, time hockey fan. Let's listen to the, uh, let's listen to the trailer. It's one o'clock. It's one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm just about four hours late here, Rita. Rita? Anita. Gita. Gita! Close. <gasps> Olympic star Doug Dorsey's the best hockey player in America, and he's about to retire. Kate Mosley was America's sweetheart. Until Hercules here learns how to lock his grip, this will have to do. And she's got a nickname that rhymes with rich. What a thing. For both of them, the Olympics have become a faraway dream. Here, you try. Until someone... Those are figure skates, pal. ...set up the ultimate blind date. Who the hell do you think you are? I'm a guy who came a long way for lunch. Please don't let me keep you from the trough. Enough! The king of the rink and America's ice queen just became a team. Don't quit your day job. Would you please put me down? You traitor! Guess that move needs some work. You've been doing what? I've been doing a little figure skating. Finger painting? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I do have a boyfriend. What do you do, keep him chained up in the basement? I don't like to see her upset. If I was you, I'd invest in blindfolds. Are you gonna get it? Before they kill each other? You look really nervous. How nervous are you? 
Dorsey and Mosley, the American Olympic team's best shot at the goal. You're falling for him. Oh, that's crazy. <laughs> In case you've missed it, I am throwing myself at you. Get out of my way. No problem. I've been practicing that move for a year and a half. D.B. Sweeney. Man, would I love to see you play hockey. Moira Kelly. Any day. The Cutting Edge. It's not like his nose was perfect. Topic. I know. I love it so much. I forgot some of those really great little quips in there when he's like, I don't like to see her upset. Well, I suggest you invest in blindfolds. (laughs) (laughs) And then one of uh, Mike, also my favorite (laughs) lines is like, I've been doing a little figure skating. Finger painting? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, his brother who owns Mm -hmm. the bar is like, wait, what? Yeah. So this is, you know, it stars Moira Kelly and D.B. Sweeney. Sweeney. Sweeney, he's the... um, the hockey player and he comes from like a real roughed up background where he did play uh professional and so the movie opens where we see him it's basically the inciting incident sort of um we see him playing hockey and he at the olympics at the olympics thank you and he wakes up in a girl's bed and he's late and he gets there and then we see the game happen and all i could think was holy shit those helmets are like paper thin and I that's what like Gretzky used to wear back in the day so it's but now you see hockey players they have like full gear on it's very uh, thank god but like and they get I mean they get into fights they get anyways so in this movie um this character gets hit in the head and loses I was expecting it to be like trauma to the brain but he loses his eyesight and is like wait so I can't play which I also said that that doctor in that uh, scene was just like kind of smiling the whole time. It was weird. It was a bad, I think a bad um, <laughs> casting choice on that one, if you have me. It was also interesting too, because you're like, wait a minute. I mean, I don't think he went like fully blind, right? It was like something to do with like peripheral, vi- yeah. just something that would make it impossible for him to play hockey. But part of me is like, so you can't hit a puck with a stick, but you can throw a girl on ice skates in the air. No problemo. <laughs> exactly. You it's don't need true. your, you don't need vision for that. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just more like the risk of further injury is why they're like, yeah, if you get hit again, you're going to go fully blind. That makes sense. And he's working now. You know, it's two years later. Oh, actually, at the Olympics, he see he bumps into Moira Tyranny. Throws, she like plummets to the ground and uh, she's a bitch to him, as of course. And then he says, you know, where I come from, we usually stand, stand. for the anthem. <laughs> the national anthem, like, yeah. <laughs> so that was like their n- meet. And she also f- falls at the Olympics, right? Like this yeah. is meant to be both of their like, this is their Olympics. He's like considered the best hockey player. She's definitely yeah. supposed to win the gold. He gets injured and basically permanently benched and she falls and mm-hmm. loses out on the gold medal. Yep, and her she blames her partner. And from there on for the next two years, she has a series of like partners. She just can't keep a partner because... She seems angry. She's a very rich woman. They have their own ice, like they have their own rink Rink. in their home. They're like uber, uber rich, which is kind of like growing up. I think I always assumed if you were an ice skater, you were super rich. But then I watched, uh, what's that? The the woman who gets, who beat. Tanya Harding. Yeah. Yeah. Tanya Harding was not rich, but it is kind of an expensive sport. Um, It is. It's expensive. So then we've got Anton, our the Russian, her, her now Russian coach, who wasn't the guy who was there the, you know, when she lost the Olympics. And that guy is, I have to tell you who this is. Hold on. It is play, 
Oh my God, what is it? Is it Terry O'Quinn? No. Okay, wait, I have to look this up because this guy is like a Broadway actor and this is where I'm like, I should have just had Mike on because I want it. <laughs> I know, he should just be sitting there and being like, it's this person. I know, it's okay. It, but it's... um. It's a Broadway actor anyways, but he, who is not, by the way, Russian. So he's like doing his accent. He does a good he job. Does a really I good thought job. he was totally Russian. And he finds our D.B. Sweeney working as a carpenter, like swinging a freaking hammer like he doesn't know how to do. <laughs> convinces him to come to do to try out to be her partner. Kind of convinces saying saying like you are you're trying her out. But of course, they meet. And she's she's rude to him. And I will say, in the end, they did decide to work together. And this is a fun fact. Neither of them, the actors, could skate before this. They had wow. three months. And I think they looked amazing. I mean, they're both athletic people, but yeah. oh my God. I mean, they're obviously not doing like any of the jumps and stuff, but they are often, totally. I mean, they're on ice most of the movie, gliding around, doing all their banter on figure skates, and they both look very comfortable and at home doing that. So I would props need to them. Six months at least. Um, And then I just was like, after watching that, I'm like, oh my God, this is a movie of montages, Avarin. Mm-hmm. And I, I tried to, first one is a sports montage. He's trying to keep up and he's falling. The second one is another sports montage of them. The third is a, th- a working out and sports montage. And it has that song that you heard in the trailer. like, and then he has a ballet moment and they try to beat each other on the ice. And then it's the who can get their first slash budding chemistry moment where it's like, the juices are flowing in the undercarriage, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but by the way, she is, you know, she has a boyfriend and he's more of like a ladies man, just to put that out there. Right. The movie starts with him waking up, not remembering the name of the woman in his bed. Gita. Gita. Um, and then. Namen Gita. But at this point in the movie, you know, after all these like sort of montages and sort of budding love, he's starting to catch up and he's becoming her equal and then it's new year's eve and it's one of the you know it's like a perfect little trite moment but everybody's kissing everybody <laughs> there's a point where like an older lady comes over and like deep throats him almost and he's like whoa <laughs> and then she gets to him and they kind of kiss on the cheek but you feel the sparks flying yes and, and i'm I pretty sure it. they're holding literal sparklers yeah as it's it one of those just famous- in case you're missing it yeah the sparks <laughs> oh, no, are, are beating flying, us over guys. the head yeah, it's true. I, you know, because I don't mind it. Sometimes I'm tired and I just want to be beaten over the head with it. You know. <laughs> yeah, and sparklers are a thing on New Year's Eve, right? Mm-hmm. And now they're, you know, they're doing their dance or their dance. They're doing their skate, and I realized I was like, there are lyrics in their music, and I, in my mind, I was like, at what point was that allowed? And I was, it was not till 2018, actually. Oh, so this movie got that wrong. They did. Katerina Witt was her name, the first woman who had uh, lyrics and it had something to do with um, her country or, or, you know, like the hardships of her country. Anyway, I just thought that was a fun fact. You know, it's kind of interesting. Um, and then they're they're excited because they're, they, um, let's see, I'm trying to remember if it's they get into the Olympics or not because they don't make it into the Olympics, but then someone hurts themselves. Someone falls. and Right. So it's like, I think they're at the world championships or nationals yes. and yes. they like come in fourth or something, but then 
someone gets bumped because of an injury exactly. or something like that. And then they're like, and then the coach is like, we are in. <laughs> yeah. And they're celebrating. They're really excited. They're all out to dinner. Um, her boyfriend's there. And I, there's a line that I, I just thought was really funny. Everybody's like, champagne, everybody. And the Russian guy's like, no champagne, too gassy. I have vodka. Uh, <laughs> and then her boyfriend, Hale, whips out a ring and asks her to marry him, which is a little sh- surprising. And it actually really upsets our friend, Doug. Doug. And they then we have like uh, more montages, but this one is like a letting loose montage. And boyfriend's gone. Boyfriend's not there. She doesn't drink and she's getting drunk for the first time. And she throws herself at at her, at DB. What's his name? Yeah, Doug, her partner, Doug Dorsey. Yeah, Doug Dorsey. And I was just like thinking about it. Like if you hadn't ever been shit-faced before, like really shit-faced, Right, like she's obviously sipped on some champagne a few times, but you're doing like tequila shots. Yeah, feelings are coming out like Barf mm-hmm. City, and I could—I mean, I definitely have had that happen to me before, where we you all just have. are like crying at. You're someone. like, wow, look at me, really, really embarrassing myself right now. I know, <laughs> I know. There's moments in this life I wish I could just rewind, but anyways, <laughs> she basically this is one of those moments for her, and she throws herself at him, and you know he's like. Because he was disappointed she was getting engaged or she had gotten engaged and um, apparently but he doesn't she want it to it be off. like that. Yeah. Well, yeah that's she doesn't it. want it to be like that because he literally he doesn't really reject her. He's like, not like this, Kate. Like, yeah. this isn't how it's supposed to be like you're not supposed to be falling down drunk. And that's the first time that we are romantic together. But she sees it as like a full blown. I'm not interested in you. I and she screams at him and she's like, yeah, I, I, I was just going to say I wrote down. um See, even back in 1998 or whenever this movie came out, they he, uh, he understood that if a girl is too drunk, you don't have sex with her or don't fool around. Yeah, he got it. And also he is in love with her, guys. Yeah. So he's not looking just to hook up. He wants he wants he wants the whole thing. Yeah, he wants. The but whole- yeah, so they're at the Olympics, right? 1992. At this point. Sorry, 1992. Like this is while they're all at the Olympics. Yes. And so it's an interesting time also to choose to get wasted. I um, agree. She had broken up with her boyfriend. She was, and then, <laughs> and the next morning, he basically goes straight to their rivals, uh, the skating yeah. rival, and he has sex with the redhead, who's just like, hey. <laughs> um, right, who also is like partners with her old partner that from the previous Olympics. Yep. Which just goes to show like how incestuous the world of figure skating is, which will play into. Ooh, I cannot wait. You know, my story. I cannot It's a wait. small, it's a small community. Um, let's see. Then we have a Pemchenko montage and an I'm sorry and then a wistful montage. And that's all I wrote, which is really funny. But <sighs> what happens is they're working on the Pemchenko, which is, I can't be a real move. No. But what it is, is the guy is holding her feet and doing like the diagonal, like, <laughs> lasso he's with basically lassoing her over his head and then throws her and then she has to do like because it like lifts and tosses and like throws into jumps those are definitely all real things that right. people do but this one is very different like it's like she's basically he's lassoing her yeah. and trying not I mean and then in the montage it's horrific like the number of times her oh. head hits the ice you're just like she's dead she yeah. has she's brain dead <laughs> and it's you not really possible would- 
do damage. Yeah, I agree. It was hard to watch. (laughs) But their whole reasoning behind it is that like the Russians cannot be beat. They are better than everyone. um, Their routine is more difficult than anyone else is doing. And so the only way for them to beat them is they have to do something more difficult, Mm -hmm. which is this this move named after their coach, right? Yeah. That's never been done before. And they are not, they're not getting it. So like they're practicing and practicing and practicing, but they never really quite nail it. And so they kind of decide to shelve it because they just can't do it. And and Dorsey's disappointed. He's disappointed because he's like, we could do it. But they decide not to. And right before they go out on stage, because we find out that she's going to leave right after the skate right. and not she's quitting she's retiring she yeah. doesn't actually really want to be a figure skater surprise surprise it's her dad who's been like right pushing her for this her whole life and he wants a gold medal and he won't let her stop until she gets the gold medal but she's been really not interested in doing this for quite a while they have a in their home they have a uh like a box where the medal should be so all her life she's been staring at this box an which empty has been box. empty so mean and her dad is played by um Locke from Lost. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that guy. He has hair. He's in a lot. Yeah. He's younger. This movie was a long time before Lost. Calvin, can you leave? (laughs) My son just walked in the door. Um, (laughs) It's okay. We're just talking about a movie. Nothing scary yet. Um, Oh, oh, you know what I was thinking? I was like, he really he looks like he had botox or something i don't know was botox around in 1992 like his face i'm sure it was so flat and very shiny shiny. (laughs) he's very shiny in the movie also i just real quick just to get into the fun parts of the olympics so one of the things that kind of sets kate and doug apart is that like most people are figure skating in like the typical costumes to like the typical classical music and because doug is like not a figure skater his whole thing is like let's be different let's do like funky, fun, like rock, pop, you know, like let's do like more upbeat stuff. And they're not, they're wearing like, looks like, you know, like leotards from the eighties, but it's not like frilly and they're not doing anything to like classical, you know, ballet music like everybody else. And that plays. So after their short performance, they nail it. Right. But they don't get high marks for presentation because they're different than all the other people. So that also knocks them into fourth. But then the Lederman twins, this is literally how many times I've seen this movie. So the, the, couple that's like twins brother and sister twins that oh, yeah. skate together they have like a big fall <gasps> that's which right. takes them out of because they were like in metal position or to continue on and that is how even though they don't get good marks they get to continue on yeah throughout the olympic like there's like short program long program and then like your final program mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah that's so good explanation yeah yeah, so they only really get to keep going in the Olympics, and then they have kind of an off skate because, you know, he rejected her. So, like, their chemistry is off. Um, and then I'll let you get to the big moment when she, they're going to go on ice for the last time before she retires. And he comes up to her, and he says, I have fallen in love with you. He says this whole thing, and he's, then he says, I've fallen in love with you. And she's like, we're doing it. And he's like, What? She doesn't even say anything back. You just see Maura Kelly is an uh, an excellent she's actor. She's great. Yeah, and she you is. can see her soften. You see her get excited, and then she's like, "We're doing it. What is it? The Pamchenko. We're, we're doing it." He's like, "What?" And then they. He's like, "No, no, that's not why I said that." Yeah. And she's like, "We're doing it." And he's like, "No, I didn't tell you I love you because I want you to do this thing that we should not do because we are not good at it." <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. 
But, but she's like, we're doing it. It goes well. It's an amazing moment. Your heart explodes because... Their skate is perfection. And they are in love. And afterwards, she says, well, I love you too. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah. And the movie's over. That's it. They don't do... They don't even show us how they how well they did. Right. Like, I mean, I feel like you're, you kind of assume they win the gold yeah, medal yeah. because they pull off this move that's like practically illegal. That's how difficult it is. Yes, <laughs> um, you're right. And their skate is perfect. Mm. And I just love this movie so much. And I think you're right. I think it's the combination of like that, a good sports movie, which who doesn't love that? Coupled with a great like, we hate each other because we love each other Mm rom-com or romance. And then it just really delivers on all levels. I know. And it's I agree. just, it's, it's, I, I kind of wish that I had rewatched it. I mean, I knew that I didn't need to because oh. I've seen it so many times. If you have Showtime, it's streaming on Showtime. Okay. There you go. For anybody who just knows after listening to that, that you need a revisit. You do. So, It'll make you happy. So this is interesting. Normally, this is the point in the podcast where I'm like, so I thought about going this way or this way, but that didn't happen this time because weirdly, you guys, <laughs> that in the first, the first time in history, I feel like we reverse engineered this a little. We did. Vanya wanted me to cover this crime story and I kind of threw in the idea of like, well, we could pair it with the cutting edge. So we kind of volleyed to mm-hmm. each other this time. Vanya gave me the crime and I was like, all right, well, this is a great movie to pair with it. <sighs> um, so exciting. And so I'm going to share with you guys the the story of the scandal at the 2002 Olympics. Um, it's all of my information I got from an episode of Bad Sports on Netflix. And the episode is called The Gold War, which is a play on, you know, like the Cold War because it's between Russia and um, the North America. <laughs> I, I keep wanting to say like the U.S., but I'm like, it's not you. It's Canada. Right. So North America. Um, and so I don't know. I mean, I feel like 2002, it was 20 years ago. So maybe some of our listeners are like, I was way too young to know anything about this. But it took place in Salt Lake City. And... Uh, there was like this fierce competition between a Russian pair and a Canadian pair. And it was like everybody was so stoked to watch this competition because they were just neck and neck. And it's like, who's going to do it? Russia hasn't lost a gold medal in this event in 40 years. Is it finally going to happen? Are the Canadians going to upset this like, you know, decades long record that they have? And both couples perform. It's pretty clear, especially if you guys watch it and you, they watch them back to back. It's pretty clear who had the better performance, mm-hmm. although both were very good. But the result shocked everybody. But before I get into the actual Olympics, and I'll go through it a little bit more. I just want to tell you a little bit about these two separate couples and how they came to find themselves in the Olympics and how it all, how this all came to be anyway. So we'll start with um, Jamie Soleil, who... Grew up in a small town in Alberta. She was raised by her single mom, Patty Soleil. And like most kids in Canada, they say in the documentary, she was born and lived on the ice. She felt like she was kind of an outsider because everybody was kind of wealthy, as you mentioned. It's usually, in a, and she wasn't. She was raised by a single mom. But she was a badass skater. She was really good. And she kind of like lost herself on the ice because that's where she felt like at home and accepted And then in 1988, the Olympics, the Winter Olympics were held in Canada. And as a young girl watching the Olympics, she just knew 
that's what I'm going to do with my life. I am going to go to the Olympics. And her mom says that she never used if I go to the Olympics. Anytime she'd talk about it, she was like, when I go to the Olympics. It was a foregone conclusion in her mind that she was she was going to win gold for Canada at the Olympics. And when she's 16, just 16 years old, she and her partner, Jason Turner, they um, they head to nationals and they qualify to represent wow. Canada for the world championships, just 16. So again, they are young. Mm-hmm. Um but when the pair performed at the um, World Championships, it did not go well. Her partner made a couple of real obvious mistakes, and they ended up um, coming in 16th. So after that crushing blow, they come back, and Jamie decides it's time to find somebody new, much like our movie. Like, mm-hmm. it's your fault I didn't go to the Olympics, Jason mm-hmm. Turner. <laughs> um, but she was like, I think I need a partner that's just that's more at my level, that's actually going to make me better that can help me achieve my goals. And so she dumps her partner and now she's going to be on the look for a new partner. And now we're going to head over. Oh, <laughs> now we're going to head over to Southern Russia where, um, and I apologize in advance for how I'm going to butcher trying to say all of these last names. Uh, so we're in Southern Russia where Yelena Berzhnaya, I think that was not too bad, um, is born in the city of, this will be bad. Nevinominsk. <laughs> I didn't say that right. Which is a place that she herself describes as having nothing there. It's like a place of nothing. Um, her father was a heavy drinker and eventually her mom left her dad because of this. But when Yelena was a, a, sm- a very small child, her mother found a pair of ice skates that were three sizes too big for her, but they were the only pair that she could find, period. Um, So she gives them to her daughter, who I'm assuming then just like stuffs socks in the front of them. And she begins to ice skate. And at the age of six, um, because figure skating is a big deal in Russia, y'all. So yes, it is like coaches will come all over the ginormous country of Russia to scout talent. So she's six years old when all of these coaches come to her town and she is singled out amongst the groups, the group of kids who are skating together as absolutely the best. And so she is sent to Moscow to train at six. Now, just to give you an idea of like how big Russia is, the Moscow from where she lives with her mother, it's a 36 hour train ride. Oh my God. So they're taking a six-year-old, a 36-hour train ride away from her mom. She said it was very hard for her mom to let her go, but this was an opportunity. You know, like they saw that much potential. They take this stuff seriously and they're like, we want to train her to basically be an Olympian. But what a choice to have to make when your kid's only six. You're like, well, I guess we're going to try this. So in Russia, talented young skaters are brought to the central school where they train. And they've got one in Moscow and one in St. Petersburg. And... Tamara Moskvina, who, by the way, even though she's problematic in a lot of ways, was maybe my favorite person in this documentary because she's just this like no nonsense Russian figure skating coach that has produced like but so many gold medal winners. And she just cries bullshit over this whole thing. Right? And, and I she's saw also her. Just... She was in this Olympics, too. Oh, amazing. I saw her. Yeah, on the she's still around. I was like, holy shit. There's Tamara. Um, and she is considered one of the best coaches in like all of Russian figure skating history. And one thing that's important to know is that Russia decided early on in its communist history that dominating figure skating at the Olympics was going to be a big part of the fabric of uh, Russia's story, like that nobody was better than them on ice. And most importantly, they were always going to beat the U.S., and more broadly, North America, including Canada. They were going to dominate. This is a quote from the 
from the documentary. They were going to dominate whatever it takes. So when Yelena comes to Moscow, Tamara notices right away how talented she is. She's very like technically proficient. She's quiet, quiet and shy, but she's really good. And because she's very small, they're like, she would be great at pair skating. Um, Cause you know, you got to get like thrown around and stuff as we yeah. mentioned. <laughs> Um, and so at the age of 18, Yelena is paired with 22-year-old Oleg Shlykov. That's how I'm choosing to say that. And Tamara is their coach. Now, Oleg is, uh, again, t- four years older than her, and he's been paired with several other people already. He's like a prominent ice skater, but he's extremely temperamental. He demands perfection, and if Yelena ever makes like a single mistake, he completely comes at her not just verbally like he abuses her so he was already known in the world of like russian figure skating to be aggressive and abusive with his partners and it turns out that like if if yelena didn't have a perfect performance he would actually hit her you guys like he would he wouldn't just yell at her or like demean her he would physically harm her what an asshole um which is just insane to me that that was allowed and even tomorrow the coach is like it was known that he was you know abusive and it would not stop he would never stop the abusing and it's like what then throw him out yeah. like tell him he don't get to do this anymore make him be a solo skater jesus christ guys um and then one day while they're practicing there is a horrific accident the two are doing parallel spins like you know those side by side oh yeah not a sit spin it's the one i think where you're like kind of arabesque and as they're in they're very close <gasps> together because you got to do it side by side and as they're doing this oleg's skate connects with yelena's head like Basically goes into her her skull, sending like bone fragments into her brain. Yeah. She hits the ground. She is immediately like ambulanced out of there because at this point, it's not just that her career might be over. Like she might not live. Mm-hmm. Like she just had a severe brain trauma. There's bone fragments in her brain, y'all. So at the hospital, Yelena wakes up, but she can't speak. So she can understand everything that's being said to her, but she cannot make her mouth respond, meaning like there's clearly some kind of damage that's been done that's like her. She can't send that like signal to her mouth. to. So she's going to have to have surgery um, and spend months in the hospital. And at this point, everyone's like, it's probably very unlikely that she's ever going to skate again. I just I'm telling this like straight up as the documentary told it to me. Meanwhile, back in Canada, <laughs> Jamie. Um, so we've got Yelena in the hospital and now we're back in Canada and Jamie still hasn't found that partner that she's been looking for. Much like our movie. There's a lot of parallels to there the movie are. in this one. If it hadn't happened after the movie was made, I'd be like, was it loosely based on this story? <laughs> um and so she's doing single skating, but that's not what she was passionate about. And it kind of just feels like her career's kind of falling apart. She's depressed. She No one's available to be her partner. She's not nearly as impressive to people, I guess, as a solo skater. It's also just her heart's not in it. But in 1998, David um, Peltier, who just cracked me up because like we're now first introduced to David Peltier. And he describes figure skating or pair skating like dating. You know, like you're with someone it works until it doesn't, and then you move on. And I'm like, okay, I guess that makes that makes sense. Um, you, he's like, you're you're together for years, and then it doesn't work anymore. So in 1998, he told his then partner that he wants to try out to skate with different people because he just feels like we've gone as far as we're going to go together, and he too wants a partner that's going to take him to that next level. Um, and this is when somebody in this small world of figure skating mentions David to Jamie. So Jamie calls him, and she asks if he'd like to try out to be her partner. 
Now, on the day of the tryout, Jamie said she was really nervous because, you know, it's nerve wracking. And also she's had no luck. And this is the first guy who's available to become her partner that's actually probably good enough. So she's like, don't mess this up, girl. And um, she describes it as she so they get on the ice to start the tryout. She put her hand out and David put his hand out and neither of them are looking at each other, but they just like got into position and their fingers touched. And every from that moment on, every move was easy. It was like, we got this. These this is my partner. Um, And so they begin to skate together and it's just it's who she's been looking for. They're on the same level. They both want the same things. Um, They've got great chemistry on the ice. And all right, she's gonna, she's like, I'm gonna go to the Olympics. It's gonna happen. She didn't actually say that, but that was like (laughs) her inner dialogue. Meanwhile, back in Russia, this is how the documentary jumps back and forth. Yelena is itching to get back to training. So after months in the hospital, so she came out of surgery. She obviously like recovered. She spent months in the hospital and she's finally given the okay to return to the rink to train. And her first order of business is to be like, I will not skate with Oleg anymore. The abusive guy who then also hospitalized me. I'm not saying it was on purpose because, you know, they were partners and they had plans and stuff. But I mean, he did hospitalize her by kicking her in the head with his ice skate. Mm -hmm. Um, So Tamara pairs her with somebody new. Anton, I can't say these last names. (laughs) You should have seen me like writing them down. I would be like, hold up, pause. (laughs) With the closed captioning on, and I'm like, oh my. So it's Anton Sikarlidze. That's how I'm saying it. But this partnership, much like Jamie and David's, felt like it was destined to be. It was a perfect partnership. And Tamara even says, like, the most simple, unimpressive moves that pair skaters do on the ice looked like amazing feats in the hands of these two. Like, they were just so beautiful and amazing together that even stuff that's like that's not a big deal um looked amazing when they did it so now it's the 1998 world championships and um david and jamie are watching and they watch anton and elena and david leans over and whispers to jamie that that is our competition for the next four years and anton and elena win gold at the world championships and they continue to basically dominate the sport um I think there might be different competitions depending on like which league, kind of like league stuff. Mm. But there's like, so they're dominating all of the, like they're winning gold at everything that they do. But then after 18 months of David and Jamie training together, they kind of burst onto the international competition scene and they begin taking gold at all of the competitions that they're competing in. Um, And Tamara even says, you know, we were aware of David and Jamie. We knew that they were going to be, that they were like, worthy competition Mm -hmm. so we were watching them we were paying attention um and the once thought to be unbeatable russian duo yelena and anton now had some serious competition to contend with in the upcoming 2002 olympics so jamie and david quickly become north america's like strongest contenders to defeat russia and take gold plus people loved watching them because they were awesome they show so many clips of them yeah the difference they said you know between like russian pair skating and I guess Canadian pair skating or maybe even US pair skating is there's like a classic like almost they're all trained in ballet in Russia right so there's that like Bolshoi ballet technique mm. that all of them use and it's like beautiful and amazing and of course like the level of difficulty of like the jumps and things they do are epically high but in North America it's like it can be a little bit flirtier it can be a little bit more fun yeah. kind of like 
like uh, ahead of his time, Doug Dorsey was like, let's kick this up. Let's do fun music. Yeah. And so they can be funny and they can be goofy in their like in their routines, but like they can be, I guess, less in, in, mm-hmm. intense. And they were also lovers, too, right? Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say there. So they have this <laughs> chemistry on ice that has everybody wondering when they watch them. Are these two like boinking together in real life, too? Because like you can't fake how much it looks like they are in love mm. when they're skating. Mm. Um, spoiler alert, because Vanya already spoiled Sorry. it, but I was going to spoil it. <laughs> no, I was going to spoil it right here. They were. About a year after they started um, skating together, something kind of switched their feelings for each other. Switched, and they fell in love. So they were feeling good, man. They're, like, dominating the competition, and they're in love. And so, like, life is just fun. And he, um, David described it as, you know, I, I, I loved her. I was in love with her. We had we were best friends. We had fun together. But when we were on the ice, it was all business. Like we knew what we wanted. We had a goal and we we weren't like effing around, you know. Mm-hmm. And they are so, so magnetic when they perform that they catch the eye of sports agent um, Craig Fennick, who wants to become their sports agent because even though he doesn't know shit about figure skating, an actual <laughs> quote, he says, yeah. I didn't know shit about figure skating. I always worked with major league baseball players. He knows a cash cow when he sees one, you guys. And the Olympics are a multi-billion dollar business. And basically, depending on how, if you get gold or silver even or bronze, you know, depending on how well you do, um, that leads to incredibly lucrative sponsorship deals. So Craig decides um, they agree to let him be their sports agent. And he's got this big old, they're going to bet their whole marketing strategy on the fact that they are going to beat the Russians and get the gold medal. And now, much like in the movie, we finally come to the Olympics. It is the opening ceremony. It takes place in Salt Lake City, Utah. It's like a, it's got like a special kind of energy too, because it, it happened shortly after 9-11. And, and, right, yes. and then it, the Olympics actually took place on U.S. soil. And so it had this kind of like, I don't know, just there was an epic vibe to yeah. it, right? And um, everybody knows that when it comes to this figure skating competition, that it's coming down to Yelena and Anton versus Jamie and David, that there is no other contender. Like they don't even mention who comes in. I think, I think Japan or China took third. They're literally never even mentioned in this documentary. And the drama begins. So it all starts, the drama that is. During the final six-minute warm-up before the actual, like, you know, competition is going to begin. So all the skaters, they get to go on the ice together six minutes before the competition starts and warm up. And in the final minute of the warm-up, after um, Jamie and David had done, like, a bunch of their lifts and turns, and then she goes off on her own to do a, uh, a double toe. And she said she's, you know, she's going down the ice. She sees the Russians coming, but she assumes they're going to go diagonally to do a lift. And out of nowhere, it's like a split second moment, but they crash into each other. And I remember that. I remember watching that and being like, oh, because Jamie crashes into Anton, who then kind of crashes into Yelena. But Jamie's the only one that like hits the ice. Like she is knocked down. Yeah. She, the whole stadium goes completely silent. She looks like she's maybe had like the wind knocked out of her. That's what it looked like for sure. And, um, you know, everybody gasps. She's helped up. It's not clear if she's okay because um, she looks pretty stunned. Uh, Did you know, so Av, I, that hmm. happened in this Olympics too. Somebody, uh, and and the, the rule is, the person who has the right of way is the one the people who are up next to skate. So whoever's, okay, so then, yeah. So then technically this would have been Jamie's fault. Yeah. Um, although I don't think it was anyone's no, fault. No, no, Although no. her sports agent was like, 
was that intentional? Right. And I'm like, I don't know. They all kind of got knocked down. I mean, yeah. she's the only one that hit the ground, but it didn't look like they were pleased about it. In fact, in the documentary, Yelena's like, it is unbelievable that this moment happened, <laughs> but it's the Olympics and now they have to go. Yelena and Anton are up. Yeah. They're up first. And so she's like, so there's this big drama. Everybody's gasping in the, you know, in the stadium and then their music starts and it's time. And so here we go. Oh, I wrote down, she exits, so the wind is knocked out of her, she exits the rink, but this is the Olympics, baby. So just moments after this dramatic collision, the music starts and Anton and Yelena begin their routine. Now, Jamie and David decide ahead of time that they're not going to watch because they don't want to get like distracted or intimidated. They want to focus on themselves. Clearly, she's not so injured that she's not going to be able to perform, y'all. She's fine. goodness. But it was a very dramatic looking moment. Um, So they're staying focused backstage, but... A moment happens where they can hear a reaction from the crowd that signals to them that a mistake was made. Yeah. So they didn't see it. But, you know, when people are like, oh, yeah. or like, woo, yeah. as they do. And so the sound <laughs> suggested that um, a, a mistake had been made. But now we're going to cut to like different people's opinions of this. So I guess mistake is subjective because some say that this moment, which was a, um, a side by side jump where uh, Anton clearly doesn't fall, but he straight up wobbles. Oh, yeah. Wobble, almost wobble. falls. Wobble, wobble, almost falls down. Um, so some say this is a clear mistake, but tomorrow their coach said it was just a little detail that wasn't quite perfect. It's not a mistake. <laughs> okay. I'm like, all right. Um, but per uh, one of the judges on the panel that day, their program was absolutely beautiful and it was well skated. But there were three specific landing mistakes that were unmissable that were made by the Russian pair. So nobody ever fell down, but there was the side-by-side jump where he wobbled. There was um, a mis-executed lift. Like when when she came down, she kind of like landed in a weird way and it wasn't quite right. And then I think there was something else with like a throw where Mm -hmm. it was, again, just like nobody crashes down where it's like, oh, it's over. You guys lost. You fell. Um, But the landings weren't quite stuck in three specific moments. And this one judge is like, there's no mistaking that. Like, it was clear as day. But here's the deal. In figure skating, there are two elements to scoring. We kind of talked about this a little bit in Cutting Edge because they get bad marks because they're doing too funky stuff, you know. So there's the technical element scores. And then there is the um, presentation scores. And so technical elements is a little bit more clear cut. Like, you have to do these certain combinations these certain moves how'd you do we'll mark you accordingly but then the second one is kind of like what did the judge think of your performance did they like your costumes and your music choice and like just the general like vibe of your routine did they like it so that is subjective right that really is that comes down to opinion um and that is just the facts of it because it is a performance it's an art and art is subjective some people like certain things as tomorrow says some people like beef some people like fish (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I just love her so much. Yeah. So Anton and Yelena, they get fairly high marks for the technical one, which surprises a lot of like the commentators just because there were some obvious lit- small mistakes, but some obvious mistakes. Um, but they get insanely high marks for their presentation. And many people believed this is because their routine was considered the most difficult, like the elements, the aspects in their routine were uh, the most difficult that were going to be attempted. And so they think that the judges clearly recognized that they were performing something more difficult than everybody else. And therefore, they earned higher marks in the presentation department for that. OK, so next on the ice are Jamie and David. And everybody's been waiting for this matchup, you guys. And Jamie and David have... 
a Kate and Doug style performance. Like the way that the movie ends yeah. and cutting edge with like everything going perfectly like just the love and the chemistry and the just the energy <laughs> yes. of the people watching them and there is no pamchenko but my god you guys every single move they do is like it is perfect it's fun they, i would they, recommend watching this this episode watch it's, this episode oh. because they do i mean you watch them back to back it's like you watch elena and anton and then you watch jamie and david and it's amazing. In fact, they um, they there's a moment where so everything's going perfectly and they've got their final like difficult element left. So they're not done, but this is the one that this is one that could mess them up, you know, if it doesn't go perfectly. And as he throws Jamie into a triple loop and she freaking nails the landing, yes. she actually says to David while they're skating in the Olympics, she's like, we did it. And he's like, we're not done. Um, and they keep going. But Jamie knew at this point that everything left in their routine was something they could do in their sleep. It wasn't hard. There was nothing left that they needed to be stressed about. And when they finish, the crowd, there is a standing ovation from every single person in the stadium. Yelena says, you cannot deny. I mean, she spoke in Russian, so I won't do her accent because she wasn't speaking English. But she's like, you could not deny that the crowd was losing their minds over whatever. She didn't watch them either. I think that's pretty normal. She's like, but it felt like the stadium was about to like collapse, like an earthquake. Um, and then I wrote, so if gold medals were given to whoever gets like the most enthusiastic response, like the clapometer, yeah. then they, they had just won the gold medal. <laughs> but in the Olympics, it's the judges who give out the gold medals. And so per the commentators commenting in real time as this is happening, they were like, oh my God, those two just smoked the Russians. They... They just won gold. We just watched them defeat Russia. So now Jamie and David are um, waiting to see their marks. And when their marks go up, they're they're high, but they're like pretty much the same as um, like the technical ones as are their technical marks are higher. Right. A little bit. Um, But then the presentation marks come in and they're. A, not as high as the Russians. And so basically what we have here is a situation where I think the scoring is so close that the judges have to decide who they want to medal gold and who they want to medal silver because it's not clear, mm-hmm. like based on the technical and presentation marks combined. And so when the score, the results come up, four judges place Jamie and David in first place and five judges place Elena and Anton in first giving the Russian duo the gold medal. And you actually hear the crowd booing. Like crazy. The the response is like, wait, what? I mean, you can see it. Everybody sounds confused who's like commenting. Mm-hmm. They're like, wait, no way. What? How did that happen? Um, like the commentators are literally like, what the hell's going on? That's insane. And poor Jamie, Ugh. like you can see they're showing them like she's devastated. She was like, she was like, my dream came true. Every athlete dreams of going to the Olympics and being perfect and she was like there was literally nothing more we could have done like we were perfect and we're still coming in second place and she's devastated and she's trying really hard to like be a good sport but she's got tears like oh, running down like her whole sobbing. face she's like a mess <laughs> yeah. so on the um on the when they get you know they're on the podiums getting their medals like they're both doing a really good job they you know david said i i told myself i was just gonna hold my head up high this is what it is. Like we did, we skated our freaking asses off. We were amazing. Um, if this is the result, like I guess this is the result. But the crowd helped because the crowd clearly thought they should have won. So when they, you know, are announced, like people lose their minds and you see them both smile and they're like, 
okay. okay, this is really rough. Yeah. But she's like, poor Jamie. She's literally like, I was, I was supposed to win the gold. Yeah. So that evening, the Olympic Village is like buzzing about this outcome because they're just like, not a single person in the room or watching on TV thought that the Russians performed better than the Canadians and had beaten them. You know, like it was so clear who the winner was to the spectators, if you will. Um, and so someone, some people were starting to kind of like gossip about like, do you think something's up? Like with the Paris figure skating? And then some shit gets cray. The following morning in the lobby at the hotel where all the judges stay, Marie Lagune, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I'm butchering all these names. The, um, she was the pair figure skating judge from France, approaches Sally Stapleford, who is the chairwoman for the board of judges. And she said, like, she comes rushing up to her in the lobby and she's like, you've got to help me. You don't understand. I had to do it. It was a deal with the Russians. And she's just like, blah, 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 blah. like, mm. you need, I need your help. I need your help. And Sally's like, uh, what? <laughs> I don't understand. But by this, by, but by nighttime, so the day after the competition, I mean, everyone is basically kind of heard what she said or thinks they know what she said and the rumors and speculation that the French judge had been pressured to favor the Russians were rampant and the media had caught wind of it so now everybody's like what you know this judge was pressured to give Russia gold when she didn't think that they deserved it so all nine judges are then brought in to speak with a referee and they have to justify that the mark the marks that they put down and so when it's Marie the French judge's turn um, and they say so why did you give the Russians, these marks, and she, her response is, I didn't do the right thing. And then she said, it's all DDA's fault. Now, who is DDA? DDA um, Galway, Galway uh, was the president of the French Skating Confederation. Basically, he's Marie's boss, you guys. So uh, in the world of figure skating, DDA is a very powerful man. Now, it's a small little world, but within it, he is an incredibly powerful person. So for her to accuse him of being the one to pressure her um, is is huge. And so then he's getting pulled into all of this. Now, he denies her allegations outright. And he's like, what possible motive could I have to pressure my judge to favor Russia? Like, we don't even have anyone in this competition. Like, we don't have, there's no French pair skaters, like, competing within this group. He's mm -hmm. like, there is no. Um, and so Marie um, is suspended. And meanwhile, now the FBI is brought in because, um, you know, if somebody like tampered with a gold medal event, that's like a serious crime. Mm -hmm. um, so they bring the FBI brings DDA in for questioning and he denies that he ever pressured Marie to vote a certain way. But he does admit that he had been contacted two years earlier about a totally different matter by a Russian mafia figure. <laughs> so he's like, so no, not this time. But I have been contacted by like Russian mob people before, like trying to get me to do stuff, but not in this case. Mm. Um, and so the FBI is like, what? And they began to discreetly investigate because they want to find out if any crimes have been committed here. So Craig, that would be Jamie and Dave, uh, David's sports agent. He is now that the cat's out of the bag. He sends the two of the the two of them out on like a media blitz. They talk to everyone. They are on the cover of sports, you know, like magazine, Time magazine. They're on Jay Leno and um, all of them, you know, Larry King. Yeah. And overnight, they become like household names and North America's sweethearts. Like not just Canada, but like the U.S. like takes them kind of on as like their own as well. And um, everyone just loves them. And they they just they feel like this this amazing, talented couple was robbed. And um, 
However, nobody is asking or talking to Yelena and Anton about all of this. And all they keep hearing is that they put the uh, they put their own Olympic medals around their own necks and stole the gold. Um, and Yelena says that they both felt like complete shit. They were like, we don't understand any of this. Like, we obviously, they did not have anything to do with any tampering. Right. Should tampering have gone on? But all they're hearing is that they're like cheaters and losers and all this stuff which that feels really bad after you just like achieved your dream of winning a medal and then everyone's like boo you suck but um tamara says that she never knew of or gave anybody anything to fix the competition and she will cut off her hand if she is telling a lie (laughs) i will cut off my hand if i am lying here so remember as i mentioned the russians had not lost gold in 40 years in this event and and they were not going to start now, right? So there's now now the Russians are saying that the Canadians are just sore losers. They don't know how to lose gracefully. And the feeling in Russia overall was that the West was ganging up on them to try to deny them what they had won fair and square. And nobody in Russia believed the stories about there being like a fix in. Mm. They were like, that's just bullshit. Um, and in the moment with all of the rumors and speculation and investigations, Tamara, Anton and, and Elena, they offer no apology. Because they're like, we didn't do anything. We won. Um, Then as the scandal is like in full swing, so I think we're probably like two two to three days in, Marie, the French judge, publicly changes her story. So, okay. She said she was pressured, right? Then she decides she gets like, she's sitting next to her boss, DDA, who she accused of pressuring her, and basically publicly in a press conference says that she was never pressured. That's not true. She voted for them because they were the best that day. Um... And so now, because she's changing her story, they're getting the president of the International Skating Union involved. And because, you know, if anyone's going to have to investigate, like, what's going on here with the judges and the outcomes and all that, it's going to be the president of the union. Um, So he's brought in. And obviously, the president does not want his sport to be associated with scandal, cheating, shady shit. But as we mentioned, it's a very small, incestuous world. And DDA is, like, not only his, you know, colleague but he's also like a close friend and he's being brought in to basically be like you have to investigate your colleague and close friend um so he's in a tight spot i don't think so i think just investigate if you find if you find out that nothing happened then great but if you find out that something did happen then do something um so ultimately in this moment the president of the union says that he has no proof just an allegation um so he's just gonna wait before starting an investigation which everyone's you know on team canada is like Bullshit. So Craig is like, no, 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 you're not going to wait. So he contacts the Canadian Olympic Federation and he gets them to announce that they're going to launch their own investigation into what happens. And then um, so after they publicly say, fine, if the um, International Skating Union won't investigate, then the Canadian um, Olympic Federation will. Then a phone call comes through. Um, A man with a Russian accent basically says, to Craig, I think, is like he's like the point man for them. Tell those Canadians to accept the silver medal and shut up. So now it's like, like it's, apparently it came across as kind of like a threat. Yeah. Like you tell them they will accept their second place win and they need to stop talking about it. Sounds them. like a threat so to ja- me. Yeah, so now Jamie and David are like, oh, Jesus Christ. Like, are we going to, we're not trying to get hurt over here. We just want, we want this to be fair. Meanwhile, I love that I've said meanwhile like 15 (laughs) times. Meanwhile, during their investigation, the FBI had come across some very interesting conversations on a wiretap from a well-known organized um, Russian crime boss named Alimzan Tokanov. Now, Tokanov 
is the kind of like Russian crime boss who's involved in human trafficking, arms dealing, drug trafficking. So, you know, like a real bad, 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 bad guy. But in this conversation that they found on this wiretap, there's like all of these conversations happening. Like there's a quote that's like, with one vote, we won. That vote was French. And then it even shows that he was like, the Canadians skated 10 times better, but no matter because the French, they would vote for us. It's going the way you want it to go. That's like (sighs) stuff like that. So armed with this information, the FBI is able to identify that bribery had taken place. Like there had been bribery. And what it appeared to be about was so here we go. I can't believe I'm going to say this. It appeared, y'all, that there had been a quid pro quo. I said it, but it really was there. And we have the proof. And here's what happened. In exchange for Marie favoring Russia in pair skating, the Russians guaranteed that the French ice dancing team would win the gold medal. So remember, the um, the French president guy was like, we don't even have people in this. Oh, that's that's Russian. <laughs> we don't have people in this um, competition. But they did have a pair that was a gold medal contender in ice dancing. Ice dancing is different because there's no jumps. So that's the difference between pair skating and ice dancing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they And the French team did win the gold medal. And so that is what this was. It was a we'll vote for you, you vote for us, quid pro quo. So now Tokenov is charged with tampering with a gold medal event, which if convicted would face years in prison. So, of course, he flees mm-hmm. and goes back to Russia. Um, Elena and Anton are horrified. Like I, they actually go on the they go on the media and they are so angry that um, somehow like organized crime has like dragged their names into the mud over something that they had absolutely no knowledge of and they're like and now we're supposed to now we're associated with freaking the russian mafia and they're like this is horrific and we do not stand for this but tamara because she's you know she is a winner god damn it her people win gold she smells bullshit she's like russian mafia where where's the mafia you show me and then she like literally sniffs the air like i i love her so much um so she still denies. She's like, that's not true. We won fair and square. But also, Avon, the other judges who voted for them were all like, Soviet, well, there's a pretty, uh, yeah, there's like a pretty obvious East versus West yeah. split. So there's nine judges, right? So you've got Russia, China, Ukraine, and Poland obviously favoring the Russians yeah. because you're allowed to. You're you are allowed to have an opinion mm-hmm, as an ice skating mm-hmm, judge. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Canada, Japan, the U.S., and Germany all voting for the West. And then you've got the tiebreaker, which is France. So it's very clear that France is the reason why the Russians won the gold medal, yes. right? And it's also now very clear that the reason that they did that was to ensure that their ice dancing team won the gold. So. Five days after that Olympic night of magic that ended in just such sadness for Jamie and David, um, Craig, their agent, gets a call from the Olympic Committee saying that they've made a decision and they'd like everybody to come in for this press conference. So the Olympic Committee um, president announces that Marie, the judge who cheated, um, she has been permanently suspended as a figure skating judge within their union. And then DDA, who's sort of like the super powerful president of the French Skaters Federation, was suspended for three years. So that's good. Like, I mean, they yeah. actually did punish him. And then they say, and we have a second announcement to make. They, the Olympic Committee, had received an official proposal from the International Skating Union um, that the gold medal be awarded to Jamie and David. And so you see both of them kind of like in this press conference being like, 
what? Like, you're going to give us the gold? And so it was decided that they would now share the gold medal position with Anton and Yelena. So they did not strip Anton and Yelena of their gold because they had nothing to do with this. Right. So they're not at fault. Um, Awkward. But it was really, really awkward because as Jamie says, at the time, she didn't know if they were involved in the fix. And all four of them have to like go out like holding hands and taking pictures with four gold medals. And it's uncomfortable and it's noticeably uncomfortable. Uh. But my favorite is then they cut to Yelena in present day, right? And she clearly found this like decision hilarious. (laughs) She's She is like... She's laughing. She's like, I guess we'll just give the gold to everyone. Hooray, world peace. You know, everybody gets gold now. And she's like, this is so silly. But at the same time, you know, like, it was the right thing to do because they, it was admitted that they were, you know, that the French judge didn't vote for them because she was told she had to vote for Russia. And she was the deciding, so they might as well at least share it. Um, But I just thought that was hilarious when she's like, hooray, world peace, (laughs) you know, and I'm like. Yeah, because clearly that worked out. No world peace here. Mm-mm. But ironically, even though it was kind of awkward at first, all four of them ended up like touring together in Stars on Ice, right. which I think is something a lot of like retired Olympic skaters do. But my favorite was, okay, so Tamara, as I mentioned, my favorite, mm-hmm. or Tamara. I think it's Tamara. Um, she's been so stoic and so just like, what, this is like a bullshit. But they're showing footage of when they have to share the gold medal. And Tamara is standing there with like just tears streaming down her face on the sidelines as she's watching her pair have to share the gold and so I was just like I feel like I I don't relate but I just know who this woman is like she is the only thing that upsets her is that they have to share the gold medal yeah she's pissed yep um to this day Marie and Didier the French they deny involvement in any kind of fix um and neither of them were ever criminally charged and um the Russian mafia dude Tokanov he is still a free man hiding out in Russia they were never able to find him and charge him so no one was ever actually criminally charged but David and Jamie got their gold their gold medal so I'm glad that we got to see that because we didn't get to see Kate and Doug get theirs right that's true but yeah Thank you for, you know, directing me towards that. Did you enjoy it? Wasn't it? Weren't you just like, holy shit, I cannot believe. I didn't, I can't believe I didn't know about this. I, I like very, like, kind of remember a little bit, but. Yeah, I felt the same way. Like when I was watching it, I was like, why don't I remember this? And then when they collided during the warm up, I had this moment of like, no, I remember that. So I was watching this. I guess maybe I just was like. It's just 20 years ago. So my feelings about it and my like, it's not actively part of my memories, Mm -hmm. but I had definitely been watching. Um, This is my favorite pairing. I think this is one of my favorite pairings because it's a trip dying. It's it's trips. It's like we've got the rom-com, we've got the crime Mm -hmm. and then we have the Olympics in it all. And it's time right now, you know? Yes. And it's amazing. And I love that there's real love stories in this real story. I meant to like Google if Jamie and David... I assumed they weren't no, because I, they I looked it separate. Up. As I was okay, watching, they were separate in the yeah. interviews. I was like, they must not have. Left. He I mean, probably like, he like said, you know, his time he moved was on. Like, yeah. you know, he's like, hey, just like in dating, pair skating and dating, got to move on eventually. Um, but I did enjoy the shit out of this documentary. Yeah, it's a good one, and it was just a lot of fun. And of course, the cutting edge is a classic. Yep. Go watch it Go immediately. On. Thank you so much, you guys. Yes, we loved you. I love you this all. Was, this was such a fun way to start the day, and we will see you next. I was thinking of when the Russian mom had to send her daughter away that that song Fancy by Reba McIntyre came into my head. Oh my gosh.
That's hilarious. She said, here's your one chance, fancy, don't let me down. Here's your one chance, fancy, don't let me down. Lord, forgive me for what I do. But if you want out, well, it's up to you. Now don't let me down. Your mama's gonna move you uptown. 